Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lost with Friends. As always, I'm your host, Paul Casey, and joining me today is a returning guest. Go ahead and reintroduce yourself. Hello, everybody. I'm Crystal Nixon. It's nice to be here again with you, Paul. Thank you. Um, we haven't heard from you in quite a while. And uh, I messaged, yes, I sent out a message to a few people, and I was like, oh, what episodes does anybody want? And uh, you ended up uh, with the episode that we're going to be discussing, which is Adrift, which you told me is one of your least favorite episodes. Is there a particular reason for that? Um, it's not, it, it's a good episode. It's just not one of my favorites, um, mainly because the, the backstory is, is mostly about Michael and he's one of my least favorite characters. Um, but I, I do have to say after watching it several times to get ready for the podcast, um, the, the chemistry between Michael and Sawyer is, is really quite good. And so I'm having a better time with it as far as having this one as the episode on the podcast to talk about. So I yeah. actually hear... <laughs> it's mainly because of Michael. I actually hear something similar to that a lot. I'll often ask people, you know, maybe their favorite or their least favorite or, you know, somebody will say, you know, oh, I don't really like this character or that character or whatever. And uh, then they'll end up getting that episode. And I love when when they are they almost always they say, but, you know, when I watched it this time, I noticed a few things that I actually did like that I didn't (laughs) notice the last time. So I I always like that with with shows where you have, you know, it's stuck in your brain, whether it's lost or any other show, it's stuck in your brain of like, oh, that's a bad episode. That's a bad episode. I don't like that. I don't like that person. I don't like whatever. And then when you watch it for whatever reason that you know this time being the podcast it's always like well maybe it's not you know a hundred percent bad you know you always try to find something good in it so <laughs> i like hearing those stories yeah i think you're trying to i think what's happening is the the person is trying to soak it in and they're really um they're really focused on it more like i was focused on it more you know trying to get prepared for it and so I was a little more open minded to it or trying to be. So, right. Yeah. Um so I think we should just jump right in. I think it'll work out really well. All right. Um Okay, so we start out I wrote we saw nothing of the raft aftermath and then I just started combining it to the word raftermath. Um, (laughs) we saw, (laughs) thank you. We saw nothing of that in the previous episode. So we'll finally see it here. And as someone, and I I would assume you can relate as someone who got into the show a little bit late. I remember watching the first episode of season two. And as much as I wanted to know what was going on inside the hatch, Definitely, I was like, well, what happened with the raft? And we had to wait until episode two to find anything out. So I was a little um, little upset. What how, What do you think about that? Uh, I just, I remember just having the, in my head, Michael screaming Walt. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, that famous Walt. <laughs> yeah. 
And then, yeah, so it's like, okay, well, what happened to him? And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so we started out, uh, Sawyer and Jin are calling for each other while we hear Michael only calling for Walt, as he's now prone to do. Um, Sawyer swims to a still intact piece of the raft to save Michael so they can stay afloat in the water. Michael isn't breathing and Sawyer begins hitting him to revive him, which kind of reminded me of, uh, Jack with Charlie in the first season. Charlie, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was really, um, that was quite, quite moving. I mean, Sawyer is really stepping up I think at this point um you know I know they had um they had uh I'm trying to think of the word they did they didn't really care too much for each other but he's you know really giving it his all to try to to try to save him so I thought that was really nice yeah so I mean definitely those last few episodes of the first season and into this one, Sawyer's definitely taking that turn from, mm-hmm. um, you know, bad guy, bad guy to, uh, uh, we, you know, we tend to, on this show, we tend to refer to him as the anti-hero and he's definitely more hero mm-hmm. than anti in, in these few episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and he's trying not to let anybody know that, of course. Right. Like he doesn't cause... want to let anything on. Yeah, you have to save face. In <laughs> but front of but I really do think that he's yeah he's actually trying to trying to be a hero. Yeah. Without really realizing it. And that's the thing is so. like he doesn't. I don't even think he realizes that that's what's happening. It's just because it's such a a mm-hmm. slow a slow burn. You know, he, he, and I think every time he realizes it, that's when he does like that gruff, like, yeah, well, whatever, you know, and he tries to go back to being the, the tough guy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, back at the hatch in the middle of the previous episode, Kate has just been forcefully taken down the hatch and Locke is calling after her. After a moment, he goes down as well, which plays into the previous episode when, uh, Jack got there and Locke wasn't around. So even though, of course, we knew Locke went down there, we actually finally get to see it in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, out we see at... his shoes in the last one. <laughs> yeah. When Jack goes in there. Yeah. There's Locke's shoes. <laughs> um, out at sea, Sawyer is still trying to revive Michael, and when he finally does, his first words are about Walt, of course, because he, like, he finally wakes up, and he's just, like, he coughs, and then he's just like, where's my boy? Where's Walt? Or something like that. And right. Sawyer has to hold him so he won't get back into the water because Michael is mm-hmm. still in shock over everything. Right. Great scene right there. Yeah. Nope. Um, in a flashback... Mm-hmm. Uh, where after Michael was hit by the car and he wants to get, he wants to stop Susan from taking Walt to Rome and Mm -hmm. his lawyer is clueless because he doesn't even know Michael's name. He He doesn't doesn't know know the relationship to Susan. He just, he completely just oblivious this lawyer. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's right there and on paper in front of him and he, doesn't even know his name. Yeah. It's like, 
Um, Great guy. (laughs) The lawyer tells him that Susan wants him to sign away his paternal rights. I wrote, Michael seems shocked, but I thought he knew this at this point because she came and told him that. Isn't that how that went down? She told him when he was in the hospital. In rehab. Yeah. So I'm not sure why he's so shocked. Maybe he didn't think she was going to follow through with it. But I don't think he should have seemed Um, so shocked there. No, I don't think so. I mean, she she was a lawyer herself, so, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Lawyers are... They can get pretty nasty. (laughs) Um, He wants to file an injunction to stop her temporarily from leaving, but the lawyer gives him the facts. Susan is a lawyer, as you just said. She works at a fancy Mm -hmm. law firm. She's the mother, and courts tend to side with mothers. And this lawyer isn't really the greatest, and he pretty much tells him that it's a losing battle, but still Michael is determined. Which, of course... This being the first flashback we see of him in the season versus the last flashback or second to last flashback we saw of him uh, at the end of season one where he's on the phone with his mother going like, oh, he wasn't supposed to be mine. I like this version of Michael better when he was still trying to fight for his kid versus the Mm -hmm. kind of first season on the island. I don't know what to do with him, so I'm just going to be extremely... Uh, overprotective and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the ocean, Michael is shouting because he has hope that Walt can hear him and will know that he's coming for him. Sawyer tries to tell him the facts again, but again, he doesn't want to listen. And I wrote, I also noticed that they don't really question where Jin is at this point. Because mm-hmm. they're just there arguing with each other. And at first, you know, Sawyer was calling out for Jin, and now they're just arguing with each other and over Walt, and no one seems to question where, where Jin went to. Mm-hmm. Um, in Down in the hatch, Locke lands at the bottom, and he calls for Kate. Everything is illuminated down there, very different than how we saw it in the previous episode, because it was very dark and, and dingy. Um, And as Locke begins to go through, he takes his shoes off, solving that question from the previous episode. I don't understand. You're like one of the biggest Locke fans that I know. Why would he take (laughs) his shoes off there? Well, because there was a lot of water dripping. You could could hear the water dripping. And when you walk on water in shoes, it squeaks. But wouldn't he just get his socks and his feet all wet if he took his shoes off? Well, he might, um, but I think he was just basically just trying to be extra quiet. I think he was just trying not to be heard. Fair enough. And so take your shoes off is a good way not to be heard. I don't know. I walk in water all the time. It doesn't really bother me. I don't care if my feet are wet. (laughs) So maybe, (laughs) maybe Locke just didn't care if his feet were wet. I just think he was trying to be quiet was the whole purpose of him taking off his shoes. Good point. Like I said, I just, I, I, I hate when I'm in socks. I don't like to get my feet wet, but I hate when I'm in socks or something and I just step in, 
you know, like a, a spot of water or something. And when I wasn't planning to, and then the sock is, is soaked and then the, the foot is, oh, it bugs me so much. So I didn't understand why he maybe does that. He, maybe he was just so excited to get in there and he just felt comfortable. Like he was at home. He was finally in the hatch. And he was like, oh yeah, take my shoes off, make myself comfortable. Oh, that's possible. Yeah. <laughs> didn't think of that. Um, as he goes through on an electrical panel, he sees and we see the very first imagery of the Dharma Initiative, the Swan logo. Yes. Very first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he explores further and he notices the false sunlight and a few other things. And he finds Kate on the floor before Desmond holds a gun on him. Right. And and we hear a recurring question that is said throughout the series, are you him? Are you him? Um, now he's, I, I noticed on Locke's face when he kept asking him that, his, his look was, I think he was trying to come up with an answer, like he, he wanted to come up with an answer that, wouldn't get him shot, obviously. But I don't know. He just almost had this look on his face like he he just really wanted to be the person he was waiting for. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like Locke. Well, especially because be he probably there. thought yeah. he probably thought he could pass himself off as that person because no one wants to be in that hatch more than him. So he is right. quote unquote him. He is him. To to Locke, he is him. Yeah. Um, back in the ocean, uh, Sawyer is now yelling for Jin, and Michael questions him, like, oh, I thought we don't want to yell or whatever, and Sawyer's justification is that Jin may actually be able to hear him as opposed to Walt, who uh, I believe he says something about, that's when he says about, you know, uh, sipping cocoa or something. <laughs> Right, right. He's on a raft sipping cocoa. Yeah. He's, he's, he's pretty sure Walt's fine. And we get a glimpse from Michael that he's already starting to blame Sawyer for what happened, and then they argue over this. And Michael does the petty get-off-my-raft uh, little <laughs> thing before uh, something from the ocean attacks their small raft piece. Um... Which I, that's such a childish thing to do. Get off my raft. You know, like I, that's a I'm taking my ball and going home type of thing. Well, that whole that whole scene right there with them is pretty funny actually, because uh, yeah, he he really does. And you know, with Sawyer, what are you gonna do? Splash me? Well, yeah, <laughs> he splashes him. It just cracks me up every time. Yeah. Um, Sawyer grabs the gun and Michael chastises him about that and he adds that it won't work and Sawyer asks him how he knows and he calls him Haas first nickname of the season (laughs) and uh, he takes the bullets out to check them but they get but he gets bumped and they spill into the ocean not all of them Mm -hmm. but a lot of them and you know he's (laughs) He's kind of mad about that. And then he confirms it's, quote, only a shark. Only a shark. Only like, a shark? Yeah. 
<laughs> it's only a shark. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And Michael says that it's there for Sawyer's shoulder, and Sawyer defends that he only got the injury trying to save Walt, but Michael still blames him for the others being there in the first place. And I wrote, Sawyer is also petty, and he decides that he doesn't want to be on the same raft piece as Michael, and so he swims to another raft piece. <laughs> <laughs> They're like two children. It's funny. Yeah. Um, in flashback, Michael and Susan are at, I'm assuming that's supposed to be like a mediation type thing, right? Um, you know, I, I don't have enough experience in courtrooms. I, I'm not real sure, actually. Okay. What they're supposed to be doing. Um, but either way, her lawyer is pressing all of the right or wrong, depending on your outlook, uh, buttons of Michael. But he insists that what matters is that he is Walt's father. And at that point, he's right. And I have to agree with him. The whole Absolutely. thing with Susan was just like she, she to me is one of the villains of loss. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Because I not let anyone see their, even see their kid is pretty, pretty rotten. I yeah. Think. And just the, the whole thing, um, the, the character overall, the few times that we do see her, she's, she's such a, a manipulator that like knowing what we know mm-hmm. happens later on, on the Island and the people that, that we interact, well, not we interact with, but that interact with, with the losties and, and whatever she, I think definitely could have fit in as like, she, like she could have been running that Island. I think compared to some of the other people who manipulate everybody on the Island. I think she was like on, on their level. She would have made a, she would have made a great other, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and she and she planned all that from the beginning, which is why she purposely didn't marry Michael. So Yeah. Yeah. That's that's Susan was like not not very fond of her. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't very fond of her. I I mean I would be hard pressed if anyone is a fan of Susan, but you know if they're out there, if if you're a listener of this show and you're a fan of Susan, let us know because we would love to get the insight <laughs> as like to, to why. <laughs> I'd like to know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe some people actually did side with her. It's I've never seen it. Like I've never seen any of the fans within the group side with her, but. You never know. Yeah. There could be. Um, and the lawyer. Her lawyer was, oh boy. Mm. Yeah. I did not like her at all. <laughs> like I said, she was. She knew exactly what she was doing. She was hitting all of the right buttons, or you know, wrong buttons, really, just to, to get him all worked up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um... Back in the ocean, Sawyer is trying to get the bullet out of his shoulder with his bare hands. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's not possible, whatever. I remember seeing a thing on television. And again, it was on television. Take it with a grain of salt. But that scientifically, it is possible. 
but it's much more, much, much more painful than it's shown here. And like the person had to pretty much pour like an entire bottle of alcohol on their arm mm-hmm. just to be able to get it done. Um, I believe once- it's possible. And if your shoulder is, I mean, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be numb? Um, it, I mean, isn't there a possibility, like, if you were kind of in shock and you you have, like, this adrenaline going that you could actually do that? Yeah, I think it's I, – I don't think it's a matter of – I think it's just a matter of, like, you know, what, what are you going to hit with your hands? You know what I mean? Versus, like, if you were in a hospital and they would have the surgical tools and they could actually – they get a, a better – a better angle at seeing it than you would get. Cause pretty much I think the angle that he was at, he was, he couldn't even see anything. He would just be feeling around for it. And you never know what you're going to, what you're going to hit like with your own right. hand, you know? Yeah. Um, but I just love the fact that he, he gets it. And then he sarcastically, like all he says to Michael is like, do you have a band aid? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because Sawyer always has to have the one-liners. Him and Hurley, pretty much. It's great. I love the one-liners. The sarcasm, I love it. Yeah. Um, Back in the hatch, Desmond once again asks Locke, are you him? And Locke instinctually says yes, as you you commented on before. And uh, Desmond is surprised and asks who Kate is. And, you know, he's like, oh, she's with me. And uh, I wrote, Locke doesn't answer the question good enough for Desmond. And then he can't answer the follow-up, which sets up one of my favorite jokes ever. The, uh, you know, what does one snowman say to another snowman? I love that. I used to tell that joke in school. Um, Anyone who is my friend on Facebook knows that I used to do Bad Joke Monday, and every so often I would put that joke up there just to see if anybody would get it. But yeah, they, I, you know, one of my favorite, favorite jokes. Um, And Desmond realizes that Locke isn't him and holds a gun to him again. And they try to tell him that they're not going to hurt him, that they were in a plane crash uh, 44 days ago, but he doesn't believe them. He directs them through the bunker, and we see tally marks on the wall. And thats I, I believe that's when Locke is like, how long have you been down here? But when he said 44 days, he, I noticed Desmond was like, 44 days. Like, he was thinking, like, something... Like he, he knew something, but it just wasn't clicking. You know? The, yeah. Yeah. The thing that had, that we find out at the end of the like, season. Yeah. He was yeah. thinking that something did happen about that amount of time ago. Yeah. But he just um, couldn't put his finger on it. Which is weird because the fact that he doesn't really get to sleep, I wonder how he even keeps track of the number of days. You know, if he has to if he has to hit the well, the button every hundred and eight minutes. I mean, yes, technically you could figure it out that way, but you know, how does he when he's by himself, how does he know one day to the next? But doesn't he doesn't he um kinda kinda use that printout? that was coming out of that that printer yeah but what i mean is like if you were if you were trapped down there 
would you really keep track of, like, you know, at one point, um, I believe it's in season, it's either later this season or season three or something where Rose and Bernard are there and he says something about, I don't even know what day it is. And she's just like, it's Saturday. Like, why would you keep, you know, you're on an island or for him, he's trapped in this, in this little bunker thing. Why would you continue to keep track of what day it is? Does it really matter? I don't think it would matter. I think Desmond probably did just give up keeping track eventually. Yeah. I know you I would have. He was at, like, when, when, they, when they crashed on the island, he was at his lowest point. So. Yeah. You know, I think he finally just started. That was when he started giving up. And then he was really started giving up until he heard Locke pounding on the hatch. Right. Um, so. he, uh, Desmond wants Kate to tie Locke up, but Locke immediately throws Kate under the mm. bus as a fugitive and dangerous. And I'm sorry, Crystal, I know you're a fan of Locke, but that was a real jerk move. I think he was trying to protect her. Yeah, I know, and he that's what he says. I wrote his justification to her as he slips her a knife is that he's again doing mm-hmm. what's best for all of them and and I know and and you know, I've said it several times on this show. This particular rewatch, I'm not lock uh, not liking John Locke very much because he's very much like, you know, I'm going to do uh, everything that's best for everybody because they all need to get up to my level when none of them have been through what he's been through. And this, to me, this is just another example of that where he's like, I'm going to take charge and I'm going to say it's it's best for everybody. And maybe he was trying to protect her. I mean, I, I, I fully believe that's what he thought was the case. But still, like immediately he could, you know, all he had to be was like, well, we're not dangerous or whatever. But he's just like, she's the fugitive. Like, yeah, you know. <laughs> I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think he would have handed her the knife so that she could cut herself loose. If, uh, oh, right. Like I, know, I mean, he has a, he has a justification for it, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know what you're saying, though. He could have just said. You know, she's not, she's not dangerous. She's, you know, just let her go or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Desmond and Locke then put Kate in the pantry and we see the same scene of Jack at the caves with Hurley, uh, where Hurley's trying to talk him out of going, uh, from the previous episode. And then Claire and Charlie see Hurley and Jack arguing and she accuses Charlie of using humor as a deflection. Uh, She then gives him Aaron and finds the Virgin Mary statue that we know is full of heroin. And Mm -hmm. I have to say, my opinion, not. I didn't I didn't I, I, I got like, oh, dumb Charlie, you know, poor Charlie or whatever. Not poor Charlie, because he made the decision himself. But when he brought that statue back. You know, it's like, like a, you know, like a shake my head moment. Like, come on, Charlie, you're better than this. Well, um, I don't think it's that, um, on a serious note for, for an addict, I don't think it's quite that easy. Even if you don't 
even if you don't get into it or, you know, I don't know. Because there, I don't know. I just think it, I kind of, I kind of felt, I, I understood why he did, you know, why he kept it. Because it's, you can't just, it, it's not like an overnight thing. Well, yeah, no, I, I totally, I totally get that. But it was just, like I said, it was just like, uh, come on, you know, like it was, and I mean, I guess that means that I, I like the character, especially more than other mm-hmm. people that I've had on the show because they, you know, they would probably cheer him on to do that again. But, uh, you know, I guess it means that, that I felt something because I'm just like, oh, you know, like that sucks. Yeah. the that he kept the statue. Yeah. 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 I yeah. I know what you're saying. I'm just saying I I understand why he did though because it's. I think it's hard for someone because he he was still an addict, you know. Oh yeah. Well, especially because in, he the, didn't the, in so the timeline he was just of the island. Around with him. Yeah. Well, in even in the timeline of the of the island, it it's only been a few weeks mm-hmm. since he, since he kicked it versus us where it's been like a year, almost a year, you know, at that point if you know, if you're watching it on regular television. Right. Um, yeah. Out, out in the ocean, Sawyer and Michael on their two separate raft pieces have a, cause they're children. <laughs> they have a discussion. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sawyer says that the flare didn't bring the others. They would have come anyway because the French chick said they wanted the kid. And I say that is a continuity error because the raft was already gone when Charlie and Saeed got the information from her where she said that the whispers said they were coming for the boy. The raft was already gone. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. The raft was, that was yeah. Big, big hole in okay. the plot right there. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But Michael won't yeah. stand for Sawyer blaming him. Did I just blow your mind with that one? <laughs> yeah, you did because I'd never even, I'd never even put that together. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta burst my bubble, right? That's what I do on this show. <laughs> I know. All right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, but Michael won't stand for Sawyer blaming him for uh, his own son getting taken. Um, and after a brief shouting match, Sawyer's raft piece breaks apart. And Michael turns away. Sawyer then hops up onto his piece, but Michael doesn't want to make conversation again because they're still acting like, you know, spoiled little children. Mm-hmm. Um, at the mediation thing or whatever it is, uh, Susan and Michael are alone. He fired his lawyer and she wants to speak with him privately. Uh, then she says that, she thinks he'll, and this is where she goes into like full manipulator mode. She says that she thinks that he would win if they end up going to court. And she asks why suddenly he's taking an interest. 
She begs him to sign away his rights and let her go and to focus on himself. I literally wrote, she's a great manipulator. She'd fit right in on the island, as I said before. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't understand that suddenly taking an interest. He, He had wanted him since he was a baby. Yeah. I think but yeah, now, was... but now it's like, okay, this, you know, Susan's going to take my son to another country where I can't ever see him. So, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't he, why wouldn't he start trying to do something? Yeah, it, it was, I, I mean, yeah, I would assume it was a matter of previously um, he didn't need a legal fight because, you know, he could have just gone to wherever and been like, you know, I'm his father. Let me see him, you know, and she presumably would have, but now all of a sudden that he would like, that's, I think that's where she misuses, definitely misuses the word suddenly. But yeah, of course, when, when, you know, international things come into play, he's going to, you know, actually use the law, you know? Right. And and what gets me is when she asks how he's going to get back on his feet and still be a part of Walt's life. I mean, come on. Really? How You got, I don't know, you got people that are in wheelchairs and, you know what I mean? I mean, everybody has, like, different problems and they can still be a part of their child's life. I don't, I don't really get that. She's just, I don't know. <laughs> she, she's, she's, she's manipulating him. And uh, the sad thing is that it works. It did work. She, he let her do it. I mean, it was, yeah. Yeah. He was like, almost like, okay, I give up. Just take him. Yeah. Um, in the pantry of the hatch, Kate is struggling to get free. Luckily, she knows how to do that, being a fugitive and all. Um, mm-hmm. upon cutting herself free using Locke's backup knife, she turns the light on and notices all of the food. And I know yes. that every time I see that, my eyes light up too. <laughs> the first of the food, yep. Um, and we also see... The first appearance of Apollo candy bars and all or most of the food having the Dharma logos on them, which, of course, became a huge thing within the lost community itself because everybody started putting Dharma logos on everything. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I actually sitting it's not right in front of me right now, but I actually for my birthday received from a from a good friend, I received a journal that's a you know, the cover on it is Dharma Initiative journal thing. The is it the the uh, uh you know the ones they used to use in school, the com- composite No, it's not journal. no, it's not one of those. But oh, it's okay. it, no. Um no, it's just like a small like a little uh like a almost like a notepad type thing. That's cool. Um Yeah, so I'd then... love to put bunch of dharma food in my kitchen (laughs) all of it uh kate then climbs up into the vent 
and out in the common area, Locke is trying to recap everything for Desmond, the plane crash, the survivors, etc. And I always laugh at these moments because, like, it happens now where uh, I think, I honestly, I think from a production standpoint, I think that was partly done for any new viewers. You know, maybe they heard during season one, oh, this show's really great, you should get into it. So then they turn on, see, you know, maybe they heard how season one ended and then they jump in with season two, so then they have someone kind of recap. Okay, here's everything that's happened. Um, Hurley mm-hmm. does the same thing in, I believe it's season five, one of the first few episodes there. He kind of recaps everything that happened. And I always just find it kind of humorous because it's like that thing that I see go around on Facebook, you know, when somebody's uh, – binge watching something on Netflix and all of a sudden the thing comes up that's like previously on whatever. And it's like, I don't need the previously on thing. Cause I just spent the last 20 hours watching this show. I know what happened. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and at one point, uh, uh, he, uh, Locke asks about the artificial sunlight. I don't know why I'm fascinated by that thing, that, that little, uh, bit of light in the, in the hatch. Maybe, like I said, it's because, you know, he doesn't necessarily go out much. So, you know, maybe he, that's right. his way of, of keeping track of days, but I don't know why I'm just well, I, fascinated I would, with that thing. I'm going to put some scenery in that window, like the, so it looks like they're looking outside or something. Because it wasn't that interesting. It was just some light there. Well, But see, the funny thing is, I would assume for you and I and, and a lot of people, um, the scenery that we would probably put in there would be like a beach or something. He was there. He <laughs> yep. could have, you know. <laughs> right. Or a jungle or, I, you know, I think a forest would be pretty. You could put a forest in there. Yeah. Maybe even water, like an aquarium. No, you wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> that would really has, make you feel trapped if you did that. Yeah. Well, he has enough water in the in the end of that little hallway thing anyway with all of it dripping out of those pipes. Right, and lock with his wet socks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Um... Desmond is more interested in uh, in how many of the survivors are infected, and Locke tells him that no one has been infected right. yet, and that kind of starts that little uh, subplot throughout the series. But right. we don't really well, get to hear sh- any. Go ahead. He shouldn't have been too confused though, because well, we don't we don't know at this point yet, but when he followed. Kelvin. He should have already known that that people weren't getting sick or you couldn't get sick out there. Right? Um Yes he and followed Kelvin and took that thing off of his face, his bandana and Kelvin didn't have anything on. Right. But So I'm wondering know... why he would have been worried about if people were getting sick. I don't know. See, I I might say the reason for that is because maybe he thought it was a fluke or maybe he thought it was the case, but maybe it just took a little bit longer, you know, because it wasn't for it wasn't for a while that he noticed 
the 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 tear to even start to question Kelvin, you know? Right. Um, right. But we don't get to hear any more of that because the beeping starts. Right. In the in the hatch, and neither Kate nor Locke knows what's going on. Um, Desmond commands Locke to come to the computer room before telling him to enter the numbers. And again, you know, slight uh, uh, continuity error as opposed to the opening shot of the season when we first see Desmond and we don't know who he is. He puts in all of the, in that opening scene, he puts in all of the numbers and he hits the space bar after every one. But now when he tells Locke to put in the numbers, the space bar, you know, the space between them is added. Um, and then he pushes execute after hesitating and the 108 is restored. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrote, it's at this moment that perhaps Desmond realized he found his replacements, whether they want to or not. Yes. Yes, that's absolutely right. This is his his moment that he's been waiting for. Yep. Uh, his, you know, he's finally he's finally gonna get out of that place. And I mean, if anybody deserves it, it's probably him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, they then hear a voice yelling for Kate, and Locke confirms that it's Jack. Desmond then goes to his system of mirrors to check out Jack coming in. Locke says that he's surprised Jack is there, and Desmond says about the fact that, because he says he's the doctor, and he's like, your doctor has a gun. And then he blasts right. the the song from the previous episode, the opening song by Mama Cass. Mm-hmm. Um, Kate, crawling through the vents, makes her way to the computer room vent where she sees Jack and she tries calling to him as we heard in the previous episode, but he can't hear her. And I know a lot of people right. don't believe it, but if you do go back to that first episode, uh, you, can you can hear, hear her it. yelling. Yes, yeah. you can hear it. I can hear it plain as day. Yep. Yeah. Um, we see really abridged... people still don't hear that. I yeah, I know people who say they're like I I just I don't hear it, or it's not they didn't know that that was the case until you tell them you know yeah that's and they're like really i have to go back and listen to that mm-hmm. now yeah. and they got to go back and listen yeah it's very faint i mean i can hear it really good but yeah it's it is kind of hard to hear yeah um we see an abridged version albeit from different angles of the final scenes from the previous episode, including Desmond shooting the gun at where Kate is in the vent, which of course we didn't know that Mm -hmm. then, but now we know that that's where she was uh, hiding. Right. Um, Back in the ocean, Sawyer spots another larger piece of raft and he begins paddling towards it. He ends up in the water going for the larger piece and he gives Michael the gun to shoot the shark which we see swim by, and it has a Dharma logo on its fin. All right. Now that I didn't notice for a while. See, that's that one, of one of those things. things. I had to find out. Well, now, okay. Other uh, did, did you did you hear Kate the first time that you watched it? 
Did you hear I her yelling hear in the Kate vent? The first, yes, I could okay. hear somebody yelling. Uh huh. Okay, but, the, but you didn't the notice logo the logo on the start. No. Okay. So, yeah. See, I it's didn't... really kind of hard to notice. Yeah. Well, I remember because they even it's so fast. Yeah, I remember they even said they kind of just put that on there as like a joke, and then they they you know ended up incorporating it into the storyline later. But I know that was that was definitely one of those things. It took me. Probably my second or third time watching would have been the first few seasons only, but I probably saw it on like Lostpedia or something because, as you said, it mm-hmm. happens so fast. Now when I watch it, I can't not see it because I know that it's right. there and I know to look for it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, it's hard not to see it now. Yeah. Um. As Sawyer swims, Michael sees the shark and shoots at it a few times, but he's not sure if he shot Sawyer. And he swims towards him, and Sawyer emerges okay, and they both get onto the larger raft piece. Mm -hmm. Um, In flashback at a park, Susan brings Walt, not baby Walt, like toddler Walt, to see Michael before they leave. Um, but Michael can't bring himself to say that he's Walt's father. And that had to be so tough for him at this first. Is a, of this is a tough, that's a tough scene right there, actually. And this is one of the few times that I just really, like, my heart just melts for Michael in this scene. Yeah. And see, that's and like you said, you're you're not necessarily the biggest Michael fan, but even in an episode like this, like there's these moments where, you know, it happens and, you know, something emotionally and you're just like, you know, I do kind of feel for this character that I don't like, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard not to, you know, especially being a parent. It, I couldn't even imagine watching my child walk away and knowing I'm probably never going to see them again, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's a pretty powerful scene and and he does an absolute fantastic job in this scene. Yeah, he does. Um, he gives Walt a stuffed polar bear. I thought that was pretty fitting Mm -hmm. for what we know happens on the Island. Um, and he, and he says his goodbyes to Walt and finally calls himself Walt's dad by saying that he loves him and always will. And it's a moment that almost makes me want to cry. I don't cry. And I I know a a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of losties that I know and that I've talked with online, they get very, not so much upset, but they're just like, they can't believe it. The fact that I've never cried watching an episode of lost not the finale nothing i've never cried but th- that's the kind of moment no that makes episode? me want to cry no episode has ever made me cry no but that's the kind of oh, moment that baby. makes me want to cry <laughs> you're tough is that i, I mean i, I have no response that to that <laughs> i just i just i don't i don't cry that often <laughs> Okay. Well, I don't. I know think people. I do either, people, but people say that that I'm. I watch that I'm, lots of them cry though. Yeah. 
Um, and then Susan has to go and break up their moment because she's just like, all right, well, I should I should take him now. You know, like I'm going to say it. Ready? Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. Yeah, what it. a bitch. <laughs> you know, exactly. Oh. oh, and, you know, she's, I, I don't know, she she was kind of acting like she was all choked up, too, but I don't think she really cared, to be honest. No, no, I don't think so, not at all, because um, she knew uh, that, you know, especially if if uh, Michael signed over his thing, and we know that she ended up doing it, where, she, you know, pretty much she acted as if he didn't exist because like she hid all of the letters you know she never gave walt any of the letters or anything like that so she knew Mm -hmm. exactly you know that that this was going to be the last time or she thought at least that it was going to be the last time and michael when he went to get walt you know i thought it was kind of nice but or you know when he was telling walt that uh he had the letters and was showing him the letters he was kind of sticking up for Susan, which I thought was, that was really. Oh yeah. That's, that's definitely, um, except for the part when he says about the fact that they can take Vincent, the dog when, you know, when Wall's just like, that's Brian's dog. And he's like, Brian said you could have him." almost every other time he defends, like even when he's, when he's going to, when he's in Australia and he's just like, you know, Walt's like, I'm going to stay with Brian. And he's like, well, Brian doesn't, you know, he wants to keep you, but he doesn't have a say. It's, you know, I'm your father Mm -hmm. and whatever. He's, he's, and I'm not the biggest Michael fan either, but in certain aspects, he's too good of a person to throw the people under the bus that should be thrown under the bus. Right. Right. Um, I mean, I mean, like, I guess that's part of, um, you know, I I don't know. It's just part of growing as a human. I know it's hard to, it's hard to feel for people that do those kind of things. But I don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm just saying he's trying to be a good person, even, even people that are not good, you know. Yeah, we well, don't have what I'm saying. That's the is sign we of a good person. Like yeah, that's the sign of a good person yeah. is the one who does the right thing, even when they don't have to. No matter what, exactly. Yes, no matter yeah. what, do the right thing. That makes you a better person to me. Yeah. So, uh, um, in the ocean, Michael is crying and Sawyer tries to console him, but Michael reveals that he truly blames himself for taking Walt on the raft and he vows to get him back. And mm-hmm. Sawyer sees familiar land in the distance, the island, which Sawyer calls home. And that's, it's a moment that like I chuckle about. It's it's kind of sad, but I chuckle about it because it's like that has to be so so difficult for him to be like, oh look, we're home. But just his yeah. his his delivery on that, his sarcasm, just makes me laugh every time. Yeah. Um, and as they come to the shore, they hear a strange noise, and it's Jin running towards them, uh, tie, and he's tied to something, 
and he calls their names before repeatedly yelling, others, others. And we see a group of people with tattered clothing, not unlike those who took Walt, and they're heading for our heroes. And Pretty that's... creepy scene. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I would be creeped out if I saw that. Oh, absolutely. I remember when I, that was one of those things, and because I was not a... Until the last two seasons, I was not a week-to-week watcher. That was definitely the thing that made me go, okay, next episode, now I need to know what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, definitely anticipation for the next episode on that one. Yeah. So that is the last thing that I have for this episode. Did you have anything in your notes that we didn't cover? Um, I really don't think so. I think our notes pretty much matched up pretty good. All right. Um, so I'm trying something a little new with season two and, and, you know, we did talk about it at length, but, uh, I'm trying to do, uh, I have these, these things that I call the put down the phone moments. And somebody told me that I should maybe make that a thing throughout, um, season two is like, what's the. You know, what's the moment in this episode that made me, uh, you know, want to put put my phone down, close my laptop? Because, you know, I've seen Lost so many times that I don't want to say that I don't pay attention because I definitely do. But it's also one of those shows that I can have on in the background and still say every line and know everything that's happening and whatever. But there are certain and moments. And I actually did that today because I had this episode on and I was listening to it waiting to do the podcast and I'm in the kitchen uh mouthing all the words to it (laughs) yeah and but there are just to me there are certain moments and I guess I'm trying to find them in now in every episode where it's the you know put the phone down close the laptop and just focus on what's going on and if I had to choose one for this episode it would probably be the uh, I'm not sure if it would be the uh, entering the numbers into the computer, but if I had to say, uh, you know, definitively, it would probably be that scene with Michael and young Walt in the park. That would probably you know be my top choice. That is pretty dang amazing because those are the exact two scenes I was just going to say. <laughs> yep, Exactly. Yeah, yeah, those those would probably Walt, uh, be Locke entering the numbers, and then the the scene with Walt saying or Michael saying goodbye to Walt. Yeah, yep. those would probably be the the uh, as I call them, like I said, the put down the phone um, moments. Yeah, and, and I I actually did too. I stopped today and watched those two scenes. Yeah, and I don't know why. I mean, you know, because we could say you know, the music was great or the acting was great or whatever. But the to me, those things are always great. So I don't know what it mm-hmm. is, but I think that's that's the beauty of the put-down-the-phone moments is that there's just something about them. I don't know what mm-hmm. it is. It's, it's, inex- it's, yeah, it's inexplainable. They're just certain scenes are just very intense, and it's almost like you've got to watch it. Exactly. And I've seen um, it 
a million times and it's yeah. still i gotta watch that it, yeah and i mean <laughs> you know you could go back to to any scene you know uh any anything in season one and i've said it a few times you know um jack's uh speech in white rabbit the live together die alone speech um oh, you know man. like that's like that's that one speech. of those that's one of those put the yep. phone down moments because everything is just so intense or whatever and like i said you know you could sit there and you could mouth along all the words and you know exactly how mm-hmm. that that speech plays into the entire rest of the series. It's, it's a big moment. Don't get me wrong, but it's a moment that isn't necessarily bigger than anything else because there's a lot of big moments, but that's just one of those ones that for whatever reason, that is, you know, a put down the phone moment. Right. It's just, it's very, very moving. And there's just certain scenes that are so intense and so moving. Absolutely. Um, so I think that might wrap us up for this episode. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Uh, I don't think so. It was pretty good. (laughs) All right. Um, is there anywhere that, is there anywhere that they, uh, that the the listeners can follow you on social media if they want to keep the conversation going with you? Um, I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Um, so, uh, you want like groups or whatever, whatever you want to, whatever you want to promote where people can, you know, follow you or talk to you or whatever. Um, well, my, I'm actually admin in a few different groups. Um, but my main, my main group, my, my brainchild is don't tell me what I can't do for losties. Um, so that's that's my main lost group, but then I'm on Twitter too. I don't do a whole lot on Twitter. It's like I, I have a lot more fun on Facebook, but I'm on there. So and I, I had a big moment. I don't know if you saw my post or not, but I had a big moment just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I did see it, but go ahead and tell it. Terry O'Quinn followed me on Twitter. <laughs> so yeah. that that was big for me. Um, what is your what you is know. your Twitter handle again? Um, it's at CN Nixon. Okay. So yeah, so that was that was pretty exciting. That was like the next step, uh, <laughs> just a step down from meeting him. So. <laughs> Well, yeah, because, you know, as anybody knows that listened to the previous one and, you know, like I I mentioned it a few times in this one, you are one of the biggest uh, Locke fans that I know of. So, yeah, definitely a huge moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's pretty bad. Like when you have fantasies about meeting him and actually tears come to your eyes. Yeah, that's that's pretty big fan. (laughs) (laughs) Because I know I would probably just like freak out. If I actually got to meet him, I'd probably faint. <laughs> um. All right. So I think that is going to end it for this episode. Thank you once again, Crystal, for being on the show. Um, Absolutely. And uh, I think we will end it with the traditional thank you, namaste, and good luck. And good luck. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's Paul, your host for most of the shows on the goes okay that was terrible 
But uh, hopefully that episode you just listened to wasn't. So if you enjoyed it, how about you click that little like button, maybe give us a subscribe, and share it to your friends. Thanks.